0: Good morning, church family. Welcome to everybody uh, in the house this morning and everybody watching maybe from your house online. Um, And especially if you're a guest this morning, if you're a first-time visitor, thank you for being with us. Uh, My name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to begin our time this morning and invite you all to uh, pray. Let's pray together as a family. A couple things. Number one, uh, you might hear it in my voice, but uh, earlier this week, I was under the weather trying to overcome that. And so as the message progresses, you might hear it in my voice. So please pardon that. And I just covet your prayers uh, that God would just carry us through this last service. Um, So please pray for that. But also, secondly, more importantly, is you might have woken up to the news this morning um, that there was a deadly mass shooting um, here in California, very close to home, strikes close to home um, in Monterey Park, where at least 10 Um, The latest I heard was at least 10 have died. And I know some of you guys have come from Monterey Park. You live in Monterey Park or maybe in the San Gabriel Valley. uh, So even closer to home for you. And so let's just spend some time this morning as a church family. Let's pray. Let's pray for God's presence. Let's pray for his justice. Pray for his mercy and his comfort and peace, especially to the um, victim's uh, families and uh, friends. Okay? So let's come before Almighty God. And I want to give you a moment just to pray. Quietly, and then I'll open us up in the Word. All right, let's come. Almighty God that's who you are. And we want to start there. We want to declare that you are a God who is in control and you hold the world in your hands. God, we pray that right now, Lord, that you would really hold near those who have been impacted, the friends and the families of the victims, and even those who are injured. God, would you really fill them with a peace that is indescribable. And I pray it's, it's not just some random peace and some weird comfort that they feel, but that they would know it is you, that you are near, you're present, God. I pray that it'd be very clear that you you care for them and you're compassionate over them. And so God, make your presence known. God, we pray that you would catch this guy. I don't know if they've caught him yet. I don't know where he is, but Lord, you do. You know his name. You know his situation. I pray that you would um, Have him in your hands, God. Lord, would you um, get him in the hands of authorities? But Lord, I pray that you would grab a hold of his heart and you would do something deep and merciful. Would you save him, Lord? God, I I really pray for us this morning as we worship in the safety of this sanctuary. God, we don't take this for granted. I pray that we would come and just be able to really enjoy just being here in your house, God. And I pray that that we wouldn't be distracted, that we would be able to engage with our hearts and our minds. Um, that we would engage with what, what you're saying to us this morning, God. We need you. We declare that we need you. We're desperate for you. And so will you come and show us your nearness to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I think this morning is just a reminder of how much we need prayer. And uh, as you know, last week we kicked off the 40 days of prayer. And with situations like this morning, it's 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 the fact that we need God, the world needs God. And so I, I pray and trust that you have been. Um, just really spending some good time with the Lord in prayer. This past Thursday morning, we had our 6 a.m. morning prayer, and I was just so blessed by all the people who came, filled filled in the seats here. And we're we're praying that for the next five or six weeks, as we do morning prayer at 6 a.m., right here in this room, as we worship and pray together as a family, that more and more of you would come and just be blessed by that time of coming before God early in the morning. All right, so Thursday mornings at 6 a.m., But if you've been in a prayer journal, you know that a couple days ago the the topic was don't hold back. Don't hold back your prayers. And then the day after was just pray with faith. And so I want to start off this morning and ask you a question. Is there anything that you're holding back from asking of the Lord? Maybe because it just seems impossible. It just seems like a lost cause is too big. And so you don't even bother God with such a request. You know, a, a while back we did a couple messages here at the church And the the messages were titled, Can Someone Be Gay and Christian? And we brought a a friend, a guest to the stage. His name is Beckett Cook. And man, he has just an incredible testimony of how he was once really deep into the homosexual lifestyle and the scene. And that, that was his life. And then he shares with us how he found Christ. And when he found Christ, he made this decision to be celibate. He's going to pick up his cross and follow Jesus. And if you haven't heard his sharing, go back to our website, look up that message, and just be blessed by his story. Well, he shared that weekend that he was blacklisted from Hollywood and the entertainment industry in which he was in because he began to be vocal about his faith. And so he, he couldn't work there anymore, and so he... he for, for the time being today, he runs a show called The Beckett Cook Show, his video um, podcast. And this past week, he, he posted an episode that really caught my attention. And the episode was titled, A Mother's Prayer for Her Gay Son. And so I, I watched the episode. I encourage you to do so too. But he shares in that episode that his mom passed away in 2016, But recently, his mother, his sister-in-law was going through some of his mom's stuff and found this letter that she had written to God. But it was titled, A Prayer for Beckett. And this was a prayer she would pray to God. And as Beckett Cook is going through this letter and sharing this letter with his audience, he's just so emotional, so choked up. Because he's reading, there's about 12 things that she's been praying for, for her son Beckett. And he sees God's faithfulness to answer it every one of those prayer requests. For example, I I can't share them all with you. I'll share a few. In that prayer to to God for her son, Beckett, she prays that Beckett would have a change of heart. The book that he wrote after he found Christ is called A Change of Affection. He had no idea that that's what she had been praying over him. She also wrote in that letter that, that God would protect him from AIDS and he shares this incredible story. Go back and listen to the story of how 100% in his mind, he should have contracted the AIDS virus. He should have, no doubt. And for some reason, he tested negative, And he's been clean since. She prayed that Beckett would have a conversion experience. He says, boy, did I ever. When he found Jesus, she prays that Beckett would live and sing God's praises. He says, that's all I want to do for the rest of my life. That's what I live for. And he's just so overwhelmed by this letter. He discovered that his mom was praying for him. And he said something at the end of the letter that really caught my attention. He kept saying this one phrase. He says, I read this letter and I see my mom's childlike faith. She she ends the letter by thanking God. Thank you, Lord, for hearing these prayers. As if God heard the prayers and he was going to answer just as she prayed. And he says, if you know my mom, she is such a powerful prayer warrior. She's such a powerful intercessor. And yet when you read her letter, it's like she just had this childlike confidence in her daddy. That her daddy was going to hear all her prayers and he was just going to take care of it. He was moved by her childlike faith. That caught my attention because all week long I've been preparing this message about how to pray like a child. How to pray like a child. Jesus teaches us on several occasions to have faith like a child, right? Mark chapter 9, he says, have faith like a child. He says it again in Mark chapter 10. And this morning what I want to do, I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount. So if you have your Bibles or your apps... Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7 because here Jesus teaches about prayer and he gives a parable of a child coming to a good, good father. So Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be. We're going to look at verses 7 through 11. But let me start off with the first couple of verses. And it goes like this, starting in verse 7. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. We'll pause right there. So if you're taking notes, uh, would you write this down? Here's the first takeaway I want to give you. Ask. Ask like a child. Ask like a child. Now, what do children ask for? If you're a parent, you know the answer. It's anything and Everything, amen? Without, without reserve, without holding back, they ask for anything and everything. Now, I have three kids, and my second child, Karis, she is the most bold asker in our family. She will ask for anything and everything with no holding back. For example, my other kids will ask for things within means, like, can I use the iPad so I could watch a video, or can I check the sports scores? But Karis will ask for things that are beyond reason. She says, Daddy, can you build a slide from our second-story balcony into our living room so I can get down quicker? I'm like, no. She's like, okay, can you cut a hole and make a fireman pole so I can just slide down? I'm like, no, of course not. Just yesterday, she was asking me, can you hang two gymnastic greens from our ceiling so I can do flips? I said, no, right? And, and one thing that she's been asking that is just, just, just a big ask in our household, she's been asking forever for a puppy or a bunny. Now, for some of you guys, like that's not a big deal. Pets are awesome. I know you guys are pet lovers. You guys have dogs. You guys have bunnies. But you have to understand, in our household, pets aren't a thing. Like Monica and I, we never grew up with pets. We've never really had legitimate pets. We never planned to have pets. It's just not another responsibility that, that we want to take on right now. We don't want to have to care for another life right now. And yet, Karis, without fail, will constantly come. Mommy, can I have a puppy? Daddy, can I have a bunny? And the answer is always no, Karis, no. I want to challenge you, church, to be like my child, Karis. And I want to challenge you to ask of your heavenly father, beyond the things that you expect, Ask for those things, but also would you stretch your faith and ask for the things that you've been holding back from asking because you just think that it's impossible or too big of an ask? Will you ask God, why do I say that? Because I read Hebrews and in chapter 11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. God is pleased when we have to exercise our faith, when we have to stretch our faith. And I believe God is honored by bold prayers that require faith. So what prayers have you held back from asking? Last year, a few months back, um, we began a partnership with an organization called Foster the City. And Foster the City, they have this wild dream that we can actually care for every child in the foster care system if we could just partner with churches And we can find a loving home for every child in the foster care system. And part of that dream is if every church, if every church could raise up at least one family, just one family, to foster a child and come around that family and support that family well and and encourage them and pray for them, we can do great impact on the foster care system. And so Foster the City, they were going to have an interest meeting here in Torrance over at Lighthouse Church just to share the various ways for anyone who's interested in perhaps fostering a child or supporting a foster family. Just come and find out ways. And when I heard about that, I prayed, I said, God, would you move in at least five people in our church? Five people, five families to go to that interest meeting. And then that week I started preparing the message for God's heart for the orphan and the fatherless. And I changed my prayer. I said, God, I said, God, not five, God, give us 100 people. Move in 100 people, not five, but 100 people moving their hearts to at least take that first step to go to the interest meeting. And so I reached out to, I reached out to my accountability group. I meet with a group of uh, pastors at different churches. I said, hey, would you pray that God would move in 100 of our people to go to that meeting? I remember texting my friend Trevor in Japan. I remember texting my friend Rich who works on high school campuses. I said, would you pray that God moves in 100 people? I remember sharing with our staff that we're going for 100 people. Let's pray for 100 people. remember Tuesday night prayer meeting. Let's pray for 100 people, that 100 people would go. There's people in this church that, that text me prayers all the time. I said, hey, would you throw this in? Would you pray for 100 people to go to that interest meeting? When I told Bethany Chang, who works with Foster the City, as she was preparing to lead this interest meeting, I told her, I'm praying for a hundred people. You should have seen the look on her face. She was like, that's awesome. That would be by far the biggest interest meeting we've ever had across the entire movement. She says a typical meeting is about, you know, a dozen, to maybe a couple dozen people. In fact, Pastor Corey went to a previous Uh, interest meeting he sent a picture of what one looks like here's a picture of a typical interest meeting in this picture maybe there's about eight to ten people that's about normal so when I told them we're praying for a hundred they didn't know what to expect so when they held the interest meeting on November 6th look who showed up this is the meeting on November 6th isn't that amazing they told me that a lot of people from South Bay Community Church, because this involves people from Lighthouse and some other churches as well, but they said this was by far the largest interest meeting from Northern California to Southern California they've ever had. They said a lot of people from South Bay showed up, but a lot of people had to cancel because of sickness or a schedule conflicts. So about 60 people who signed up couldn't go. So after this meeting, I asked the organizers, I said, how many people from South Bay Community Church showed up? You know what they told me? They looked at the list, they said, 102. (laughs) You know, in basketball, when you shoot and you get fouled, you go, and one. God was like, and two. 102 people showed up. It was incredible. But I believe it's because we stretched faith and we asked. Now, here's the thing. A lot of you signed up to learn more, but you couldn't make it that day. So I want to let you know, like Pastor Dave mentioned in the announcements, that next week, January uh, 29th, we're going to have a makeup meeting here. This time it's on our campus. Um, so if you didn't go last time, please go next week. Even if this is your first time hearing about it and you just want to learn how I could possibly get involved, go ahead and scan, scan that QR code. Or you could just go to our website or our app and you're going to see this tab. Click on that in RSVP to let them know you'll be there so that they can prepare Um, for your coming okay so that's gonna happen next week so praise God a hundred and two people from our church couple hundred in total but at the end of the day we still need to get foster kids into homes and so God would you move in those people who are interested and and the goal for foster city is if if every church could raise at least one family just one family that's a big deal because that's not an easy decision just one I asked Brian and Rosa, who lead our chosen fam ministry here at the church, I said, currently, how many people from South Bay Community Church are moving forward to be an actual foster family? They told me last Sunday, they said, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, but we currently have eight families, eight families moved to care for a child in the foster care system. Some already are in the process. Some have gone through all the checks. And some are just taking steps forward. But praise God for moving in the hearts of people to care for the orphans and the fatherless. That that happens, I believe, with all my heart when we ask. The Bible challenges us, challenges you. Would you ask? Would you ask boldly? Ask, and it will be given. James chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, we we have a model that's given to us by James, and he says, the example we have is Elijah. Elijah was a prophet of God, and in verse 17, he says this, he says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops, that's incredible that's supernatural elijah this prophet of god prays that the heavens was shut and there was a drought in the land for over three years then he prays for the supernatural happen. god would you open the heavens back up send the rain and it rains on the land prayer moves the hand that moves the world he he prays to a supernatural god and so what's the example here James is saying that this legendary prophet of God who prayed for the heavens to shut, this this man of God who prayed for the heavens to open, he's nothing special. Nothing special really. He makes it very clear he was just a human being even as we are. It's nothing different between you and Elijah. We're all made of flesh and blood. We're just human beings. And yet, this human being acknowledged the divine God. And understand you and I, if we are in Christ, we share the same heavenly Father. We're just human beings, but we have a divine God who is able and powerful to do anything we can ask or imagine. We're just human. But he's God. And so will we come before him? I love what Mark Batterson says. He writes this in his book on prayer. He says, he says, "Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers." And he goes on to say, "I love this. God won't answer 100 percent of the prayers we don't pray. A hundred percent of the prayers we don't pray cannot, will not, could not be answered because they haven't been asked. And so the challenge is, would you ask? So I'll ask you one more time. What seems just too big or too out of the question that you've held back and haven't even bothered God? Maybe it's a child who just seems so far away from God that you don't ever see them being Christ followers. Maybe it's an addiction, a habit so strong that you can't ever imagine those chains in your life being broken. Maybe it's a physical setback so severe you can't ever see healing actually happen. I've been convicted this week in preparation for this to pray for my hearing again. My hearing that's been impacted because of the surf injury four years ago. I'm encouraged to ask because we have a God who is mighty and able. James says in Chapter 4, verse 2, he says, you don't have because you don't ask. And his big brother, Jesus, says, ask, and it will be given. That's Matthew 7, verse 7. We just read that. Ask, and it will be given to you. But he goes on. He says, seek, and you will find. So would you write this down? Number two, here's the second takeaway for today. Seek like a child. Would you seek like a child? So my daughter, Karis ask for a puppy or a bunny almost daily. And every time she gets the same answer from mommy and daddy, she gets the same answer, no, Karis, no. And then she doesn't just walk away. She, just, she doesn't go down easy. She always, every time, asks, but why? Like, why not? She always seeks a reason for, for, for why she can't have a puppy or a bunny. Why not? Help me understand. Explain it to me. So we have the same conversation over and over again. In the same way, I want to ask you and challenge you, when you ask of the Lord, and you don't get what you prayed for, what you asked for, would you, like Karis, like a child, ask, but why? Like, why not, God? And seek to understand, because I believe the more we seek, the more we will know and understand God's heart and God's will. And I've always said this, I'll say it again, that prayer is not about getting what you want. It's about wanting what you get. Prayer is not about getting what you want. It's about wanting what you get. In other words, it's about learning to be content and satisfied with God's ultimate will above our own will. It's seeing that God's will is going to unfold in your life and being content in what God chooses to do. And so seek, Jesus says, seek what? Well, I want to encourage you, seek his will, and I believe you will find. So we go back to the text, Matthew chapter 7, and we pick up in verse 9. Jesus gives us a little parable. He says this, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, you're sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, who is perfect, give good gifts to those who ask him? And so Jesus is sharing this parable to make this point that our Father in heaven is a good father. He's a good daddy. right? But, but notice the way Jesus does this teaching, how he shares this parable he doesn't say, if your child asks for bread, you'd give him bread, wouldn't you? Or if he asks for a fish, you'd give him fish, right? And in the same way, our Heavenly Father will give you exactly what you ask for. He doesn't teach it like that. Right? In this teaching, Jesus' example doesn't teach, ask and God will give you whatever you ask for. Instead, the implication is, ask and You can be sure God won't give you something that's evil. Ask and he's not going to give you something that's bad. And I'm wondering if perhaps he teaches it this way because Jesus is opening up the possibility and the reality that sometimes we'll ask and we'll receive an answer to our prayer that's totally different from what we asked for. But when we get that answer that's totally different, you could be sure it's not evil. See, because the reality is sometimes you'll ask for a fish, and maybe, sure, God's going to give you a fish, because God sees that that's good. But sometimes you might ask for a fish, and instead of giving you tilapia, he's going to want to bless you with lobster. Maybe instead of giving you a mackerel, he wants to give you mignon, filet mignon, because he wants to give you something that's not just good, but something that's better. God may not always give you what you ask for, but if he gives you what you ask for, you can trust that it's good. If he gives you something different according to his wisdom and his will, you can be sure it's better. And if it doesn't make any sense to you, how in the world? God, is that better than what I asked for? How in the world is that better? And it makes no sense to you. Can I, can I encourage you? Then seek. Seek to know his will. Seek to understand his heart. And when you seek, you will find. So last week, Pastor Gary uh, shared a, just a really significant announcement. Right? He said that after 30 years of being a senior pastor of this church, After much soul searching and praying, that he has uh, made the decision to hand the baton of leadership off this year. And he asked for prayers for him. He asked for prayers over me and over our church as we go through this transition. And we thank you for that. We covet that and we ask you to constantly pray for, for us as a church. And a a lot of the questions I've been getting all week from people, when they ask, they ask ask me, how do you feel? Like, Greg, how do you feel about that? And to be honest, there's a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, but let me share one thing that's pretty prominent in my heart. What do I feel? I, I feel overwhelmed. I feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed when I think back on the past 17 years and I see God's will unfold in my life. It's overwhelming. Now, why 17 years? Greg, you've only been here 10 years. Why 17? Well, let me tell you why. Because it was 17 years ago in 2006 when I first sensed the call to go into full-time ministry and become a pastor. And when I sensed that call, I was excited. I was passionate about it. I wanted to be a pastor. And in the following years, I got invited, offered by four different churches to come and be a pastor. And in many cases, it was to be a lead pastor, to lead the congregation, kind of like a senior pastor. And so I was so excited. Every time there was an invitation, before you think I'm bragging, I'm telling you I'm not, because each of these churches were struggling. It's not that they wanted me. They just wanted someone, anyone, help us. It wasn't, they had no idea who I was. We just need help. Anybody who can breathe, come, right? (laughs) Right? And so every time I wanted to go, I was young, I was restless, and every single time, Monica said, nope, four times she said, nope, 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 nope. And it was frustrating, I'll be honest, I I was frustrated because I knew as much as I wanted to go to be a pastor, I could not go if my life partner wasn't willing to go with me. And so over time, we would go back and forth, and there would be this resentment that started to build. And I'm like, God, like, why why won't you move this mountain in our heart? Like, there's a mountain, and I've tried to move it, and it's not budging. So all I could do was, like a child, like my daughter Karis, go, why? But why, God? Why not? God, you're calling me to this. And And I remember thinking, like, this is for the kingdom. Monica, you're a kingdom killer. Like, why are you killing the kingdom? This is, dude, I got to save these churches. And, and, and I just, I was so frustrated. I said, God, just, you move it. You move the mountain. And the answer was no. Until 2012, when Pastor Gary invited me to come and join the staff at South Bay Community Church. And Monica's answer when she first heard that? was nope, for the fifth time, and I was frustrated, but imagine that day later on where she comes up to me, unprovoked, I didn't say anything to her, she comes up to me, she says, Greg, yep, it's time to go to South Bay Community Church, call Pastor Gary, and I was like, hallelujah, right, like how did that happen, like that was a mountain that just moved, and, and so we came on board, and as I look back, I can tell you today, I am overwhelmed to see God's sovereign will unfold in my life. To see how my heavenly Father has protected me, I truly believe, has protected me from situations which, on hindsight, I truly believe would have led me to ministry failure. Situations, churches that were struggling, some even dying, that I probably would have ended up in deep bitterness and burnout. Why? Because who was I? I had no ministry experience. I've never been a pastor. Who am I? See, I, I was young and I was restless, but I think God saw me and so I was immature and reckless. And I believe God's sovereignty when he said no to my prayers to move Monica's mountain in her heart. And let me go pastor these struggling churches. I believe God's no was God's will to protect me, to preserve me, and to prepare me for what he had in store for me. God didn't give me what I asked for in those seasons. But I look back now and I see that he gave me something so much better according to his will. He brought me to a healthy church environment. He brought me to a strong staff to work alongside and to learn from. He brought me under a mentor to grow under and to learn from in Pastor Gary. And I look back and I'll tell you, church, how do I feel? I feel overwhelmed. Because church, listen, you have a good, good father whose will is so much more perfect and better than yours or mine. And so if he gives you what you ask for, praise God, because he sees that it is good. But if he gives you something else, that's not what you ask for. Praise God, because according to his will and his wisdom and his goodness, it's better. So understand that prayer is not getting what you want necessarily, but it's learning to want what you get, learning to be content and satisfied in the will of God, his will above yours. So what's his will? Seek, and you'll find. So but what if I'm asking, and I'm seeking, and heaven's not answering? Well, Jesus goes on. He says, then knock. Knock, and it will be open. And so here's the third and last takeaway. Would you write this down? Knock like a child. Knock like a child. In Jesus' teaching, you'll see that knocking often represents persistence. It represents perseverance, right? Like in the parable in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus tells the story of a man who goes to his friend's house at midnight, and the man's already, like, tucked in bed. He's ready for, for bedtime, and he's standing at the door, and he's saying, hey, can I get some bread? Let me get some bread. And the guy who's in bed is like, dude, you're crazy. Go back home. Like, I'm in bed already. And he said, come on, just give me some bread. And Jesus makes this point in the parable that even though he's already in bed, because of his persistence and perseverance, will he not get up and give him bread? And then Jesus goes on in that teaching. He says, therefore, knock, and the door will be open." That's the same thing he teaches us here in Matthew 7. Knock, and it will be open." It's perseverance. It's, it's, It's persistence in asking. And so I want to encourage you, like a child, knock. See, my daughter Karis has been asking and knocking on our hearts for a puppy or a bunny for nearly four years now. I counted the years from when she first started. That fateful puppy party that her friend in kindergarten had. For a nine-year-old, four years are like doggy years. That's like half her life almost. She's been asking for almost half her life for a puppy or bunny. Literally, Monica and I will go into our bedroom and we'll find letters on our bed. Let me show you one of the letters. This is an actual letter she wrote. She leaves it on her pillow. I'll read it. You can't read it. I'll read it for you. It says, Dear Parents, I would really very love having a furry and cute pet. I should have one. And she goes to fight her case. This is her case. I should have one because I'm very responsible and it's okay if I have a bunny. (laughs) Right? That's a good argument. It's okay. (laughs) Besides, it's really easy to take care of and their poop is small and they are calm and quiet. So please. And she signs it, your daughter, Karis. We find these letters on her bed. One day she comes up to me. She has two envelopes. She says, dad, choose one. (laughs) Right? Right? Okay. So I said, I want that one. I open it up. You must get me a puppy. <laughs> I'm like, you're crazy. That's crazy. Give me that one. I open it up. You must get me a bunny. Like, th- these are my options, guys. These are my options as a father. Either a puppy or a bunny. Which one is it going to be? And she is so incredibly persistent for four years. Every dinner, she's praying for a puppy or bunny. At nighttime, she's praying for a puppy or bunny. She doesn't stop asking. So this past week, she turned 10. And guess what we got? I'll show you what we got. It's a cage. It's just a cage. Praise God. It's a bunny cage. No, but honestly, you see no bunny. You see no puppy. But this is the first step in the process of of us getting her her bunny. She's getting her bunny. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Why are you so happy? Calm down. (laughs) No, but if you ask Monica, we we would tell you we're very delighted and excited, really, to be able to give her what she's been asking for. It's a great joy. Why does God sometimes hold out? Why why doesn't God always answer our prayers right away? Why, Why does he delight In persistent knocking why does he delight in perseverance and I don't think it's because he's a cruel God and he holds out just to see us beg on our knees I don't think he's a cruel God in fact I want to suggest I believe it's because he's a good father he's a good father and there is joy and blessing in relationship and engagement ongoing engagement Remember last week's message, Pastor Gary shared about how prayer, the focus of prayer is not prayer. The focus of prayer is God. Prayer is not an end in itself. It's only a means to a greater end. It's it's a means to experience God, to commune with God, to enjoy God, to, to engage with God. That's what prayer is about. So let me ask you this. If God and man or to get into a fight, if God were to get into a fight with a human being, who would win? No contest, right? God would crush the human being. Not even a fight. Yet isn't it interesting, in Genesis 32, there's a story of a human being, his name is Jacob, and Jacob is full of fear and full of despair. Why? Why? cuz Jacob gets message he gets news that Esau and about 400 people are coming for him and Jacob could only assume that they're going to kill him and so i could only imagine that that night he's up and he's anxious he can't sleep he's anticipating his attackers and it says in Genesis 32 that while he's up that night he gets into a fight a scuffle A wrestling match with some other man and they're fighting and it says it goes back and forth, back and forth through the night till the break of dawn. They're fighting and they're wrestling and at some point I imagine that Jacob is there and I imagine this guy's on top of Jacob and Jacob's like, oh my God. Like, oh my God. Because literally in that moment he's realizing this is my God. That I'm wrestling with. This is no man, this is God face to face with me. And it says this in Genesis 32, that man says to Jacob, he says in verse 26, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, no, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Not letting go till you bless me. Verse 27, then the man asked him, well, what is your name? He said, Jacob. He answered, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Then he goes on in verse 29, then he blessed him there. He blessed Jacob. And so Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Jacob is in this wrestling match, this struggle with God, and he blesses him. He gets blessed, and God changes his name from Jacob to Israel because of that struggle. You know why he calls him Israel? Because God was like, man, Jacob, the struggle is real. All right, cool, let's go on, let's go on, let's move on. <laughs> so I'm a dad of three, all right? So, so Jacob was feeling this fear and this despair and this anxiety going into the struggle with God. And yet he wrestles with God. God blesses him. How does he come out? Full of peace, full of confidence. There's something about him now that he has a blessing of God. If you read the rest of the story, it turns out very beautifully for Jacob and those people he thought were trying to attack him. Something changed when he wrestled with God and received the blessing from the Lord. For us, church, I think there's something about wrestling with God in prayer and not giving up that blesses us. And perhaps it's in that persistent struggle, that willingness to wrestle with God, that that not giving up, gripping onto God until he answers, That brings delight to the heart of God. Perhaps God delights in the evidence of your faith, of your dependence on him. Maybe that honors our God and pleases him. That persistent engagement when we come over and over again to his throne, at his feet, I believe that persistent engagement develops relationship between a father and his children. I've shared this years ago before, but it was like when I was little and I, and I would, I would want to do kung fu on my dad, right? And, and I would try to do my kung fu on him. I'd want to take him down, and then he would come at me with his old tai chi moves, right? Like he would do his tai chi, and I would go for my dad, and he would uh, avoid it. And, and we would go back and forth. Now, the, the reality is my dad's a grown man. I was a chubby little elementary school kid. Right? If, if my dad wanted to fight this little kid, no contest. He could take me out, black me out in a second. End it. Call it a night. No fight. And yet, it was never like that. It was always back and forth, back and forth. He would make me think I'm winning, and then he would be winning, and then he'd make me think I was winning, he'd be winning. And it was that playfulness, that, that willingness to stay in the fight. That want for me to to want to wrestle and his insistence on going at it with me. That back and forth, back and forth, that, that engagement that is so good for a father and his child. I believe God loves when we engage with him, even if it requires wrestling and struggling. See, a lot of times we can be so prone if we were to... Pray and ask, and God gives us answers right away. So many of us can just take off with our blessing and and do our own thing and not need God anymore until the next crisis arises. Then we need him again. Until the next need arises, then I need you again. But I'm wondering if it's in the waiting and the wrestling, the constant coming to his feet, the constant bowing at his throne, the constant knocking and praying and asking and relying on the Father that... Develops relationship. And so, friends, I, w- I want to encourage you don't stop praying. Don't stop praying until your friend finds Jesus, until your child returns home, until your spouse surrenders to God. Don't stop knocking until the cancer is cured, until that relationship res- is restored, until the attacks stop. Don't stop praying. Until you land that job, until addiction is defeated, until your depression is lifted, until you could get a good night's rest, don't stop praying. Keep on wrestling. Keep on knocking and keep on coming before the Lord in prayer. So church, will you knock until the doors are open? Will you wrestle with God until he blesses you, until he pours out his blessing? And you may find, in fact, I'm pretty sure you'll find that you will be blessed. And that the blessing isn't so much in the answer to your prayer as much as it is the blessing of a deeper, richer, more intimate relationship with your Father. That is the greatest blessing. And so Jesus teaches us to ask And it will be given, seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be open to you. That's what he teaches us here on the mount. And if Jesus teaches it, you could believe it. But what I love about Jesus, he didn't just talk the talk on the mount. We see he walked the walk down in the valley. Because remember, in his deepest, darkest moment of his earthly life, he was found in the garden. Right, he was found there in great despair and his soul is overwhelmed. Mark tells us in Mark chapter 14 that as he's in the garden, he's sweating and he's dripping tears of blood. And he cries out to his father, he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I could die right now, I'm so overwhelmed. But what does he do in that deepest valley? He walks the walk. He asks, Mark 14, verse 36 tells us, and he said, and he cries out like a child to his daddy, Saba, Saba, Father, all things are possible for you. Please remove this cup from me. Daddy, please don't let me die. Don't let me die. Don't let me go through this. Please spare me from this. Take this away from me. And so he goes out on a limb and he asks, Abba, Father, help me, please. But he doesn't just stop there. He seeks. He says, yet not my will, but your will. Not my will, but yours be done. I'm asking of this, but I want your will above my will. That's what I'm seeking. So he asks and he seeks, but he doesn't stop there. What does he do? He keeps on knocking. And Mark tells us later on in verse 39, he says, And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words three times. He says, God, Father, take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. God, take this cup from me. But not my will. Not my will. Not my will. But your will be done. And the heavenly Father answered. Not in the way that he asked. Not in the way that any of us would imagine, but he answered and he let his son die. His son was asking that you would spare my life, and God did not answer by sparing his life, but instead resurrected him and exalted him to the most glorified, exalted resurrection life and gave him power and authority, seated him at the right hand of the throne of God and gave him victory over death. Not just for Jesus, his son, but for all who would believe. For God so loved the world that this is why he gave his son. That's the ultimate will of the father, his will above ours. The ultimate blessing comes when we, like children, pray and see that our father is good. Amen? Amen. So would you ask, would you seek? And would you knock? Let's pray. And so, Father, we want to first acknowledge that you are Abba. You're an affectionate, compassionate, loving, gracious father and for some of us that's hard because we know that earthly fathers can be so imperfect and so sinful and just wrong sometimes but Lord you are perfect in all your ways Lord you shine your face upon us and Lord we thank you that you gave us right to become children because of because of what Christ has done for us Thank you for access to you, to be able to come to you with our asks. And I just pray that, Lord, as as we do ask and we seek you, we would know your heart more and more. That we wouldn't always just get what we want, but we would really want what you want for us. We would want and love and desire the things that you give. And see that in everything you give, it is ultimate. It is the greatest blessing. So, Lord, we come, and Lord, I I pray that moving forward, that we would just keep coming to you in faith, that we would stretch our faith and watch what you can do and see how much you love. So, Lord, you're worthy of worship. It's worth it to sing to you, and so we worship you now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.